Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. We are back in week two here for the Falcons versus Packers week two game preview. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by a terrific Packers guest. He is Mike Wall at MikeWall68 on Twitter, host of the On My Block podcast, also a fellow uh, Believe podcast host. Mike, thank you for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Looking forward to the, the uh, all the games this weekend, but in particular this Packers game against the Falcons. So thanks for having me on to talk about it. Absolutely. And you were on the Packers for a time, right? I, I was. I played seven years in Green Bay. I played seven years in Green Bay. I, I came down and played in the NFC South for three years with Carolina and then finished up in uh, Seattle. Yeah, I knew I knew the name sounded familiar. Uh, so it must have been from from your days, uh, probably tormenting us on the Panthers, depending on what year it was. But uh, yeah, happy to have you on. And guys, we got a, a great game to to look forward to here. Between the line keeps shifting in this one. I guess the Falcons are like one point favorites now. A couple days ago, the Packers were one point favorites. So it's definitely going to be a close one. I'm excited to break this down with Mike before we get started. Of course, want to bring you. A message from our sponsor, Bet Online. Guys, football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Um, and, you know, if you're looking for my betting advice, which spotty record there, but, you know, I don't know. I, I'd probably stay steer clear of this Falcons-Packers game if you're betting on the spread, just because these this one's really close, and I, I think it could go either way. So if you're spicy, you know, do whatever you want. But for me, I'm, I'm probably sitting this one out and, and going for some, some easier pickings. But no matter what you decide to do, guys, head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And guys, take a quick break here to bring you a message from our other sponsor, Prize Picks. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, we're back with more Prize Picks. As a reminder, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is a skill based daily fantasy game where you pick two to six players and decide if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. And the more players you pick, the more you can win, all the way up to 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Make sure to check out their generous promotion schedule, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. And it's not just the NFL. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you might watch NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. And guys, Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. And they offer fast withdrawals. It's that easy. Just a reminder, all first-time users that deposit and use our promo code DBB for Dirty Birds and Brews, right? <laughs> we'll receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That means if you deposit 100, prize picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, they'll give you 50. Remember, make sure to use that promo code DBB when you sign up for the first time to get that deposit match. And guys, 
since this is a daily fantasy game. It's available in 31 states, Washington, D.C., and most of Canada. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like California, Florida, Texas, and Georgia. Notably, over 70% of the U.S. This map is a good way to check to make sure you're eligible to play in your state. But let's get right to our picks this week, my picks uh, here on Prize Picks. And once again, going with the GOAT, Young Way Koo, to have more than six and a half kicking points. Nailed this one last week. I, I think this is going to be one that I stick with a lot um, because, again, going with the kicking points, very flexible. It counts extra points. It counts field goals. Uh, it's basically the same as fantasy points. Love that one. Um, this week, we're going to go with Bijan. Uh, and the more or less number for Bijan is 17 and a half receiving yards. He had more than that last week, and that included quite a few tackles for loss on those catches. Uh, I think Bijan's going to clear that 17.5 pretty easily. You do have to pick players from more than one team, just so you guys know. I was going to go with Ritter here, but instead I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson, uh, the rookie quarterback from Indianapolis, to get more than a combined 248.5 passing and rushing yards against Houston. I think Anthony Richardson is, is sort of a Justin Fields-like player. He passed for more than 200 yards last week and had 40 yards rushing. This is an easier opponent. doesn't have to go against Jacksonville's defense this week. I think Anthony Richardson's going to clear that 248.5 without too much trouble. So remember, guys, feel free to use uh, my prize picks. Just make sure to use our code DBB when you sign up. There's also a link in the show description for help there. Guys, thanks again to prize picks for sponsoring today's show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast with our special guest, Mike Wall of the On My Block podcast. Mike, kind of feel like the Falcons and Packers had eerily similar week ones uh, where the opponent actually gave them a little bit of a game, but the scoreboard looked very lopsided in part because, well, their opponents just sort of turned the ball over a lot. Uh, obviously, it's better to be winners than losers, uh, and <laughs> we always take those, but how did you feel about the Packers win? Because on the scoreboard, again, double-digit win looks great on paper, but you look at more deeper into the stats, and it's like, okay, maybe this was a little bit closer than the score sort of showed, but how did how do you feel about the Packers' Week 1 win? Uh, well, like you said, it's tough to get a game in the NFL. So if you, you take the wins where you can get them, I think, you know, we've kind of saying this all week. We said this the week before the game, the Chicago bears just really aren't a good football team right now. And I think that just was demonstrated in spades, uh, against, you know, really when you look at the trenches, you look at the battle of our offensive line versus their defensive line, they've got great linebackers and TJ Edwards and, um, uh, Jack Sanborn, of course, they brought in Tremaine Edmonds. But it's like if you don't have anybody in, fr in front of them to to stop the lineman from getting to the second level, it's not really going to matter. So they haven't done a really good job of replacing guys like Robert Quinn. Um, obviously, they got rid of uh, 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 Gibson right before the season started. They just they're not very good up front. That's a problem. If you're not good in one phase of the game, don't make it your defensive line. And conversely, you look at their offensive line. They have Justin Fields. They have all these people that they brought in DJ Moore. They have this big plan for their offense and all these great things that Justin Fields is going to do. And it's like, if you don't run a three-step drop, he's running for his life because our defensive line absolutely overwhelmed their offensive line. And I know I'm oversimplifying the game, but when it comes down to it, players got to make plays. If you can't win your 1v1 matchups, it doesn't matter how good your scheme is, how good your talk is, your pregame chats. Like You got to get out there and win. If you don't have the horses, you're not going to win. Yeah, I was completely shocked by the line in that game where the Bears were favorites. I didn't understand that one at all because I I don't know where the belief. I mean, I, 
I mean, like, I, I thought the Bears would be better, but, like, better as in maybe not the worst team in the NFL, not better as in potentially challenging for, like, a wild card like I expect the Packers to do. So it's, like, just a weird situation there. But Jordan Love, first start, you know, without Aaron Rodgers in the building, obviously uh, a big, big move, big step. Again, Falcons in an eerily similar situation where they're transitioning to a new young quarterback. What did you think about Jordan Love in his first start? Well, obviously the, the numbers have gone around. And he's, he did really well on third and fourth down. He had a perfect uh, quarterback rating, which, again, I, I, I can never figure out how you have, don't have a perfect completion percentage but have a perfect quarterback rating in that situation. But that's fantastic. Look, Aaron Jones is the star of this game. And, and Jordan, Love did a, Jordan Love did a good job doing what he was asked to do. Can he make better decisions, faster decisions, deliver the ball on time and better, you know, maybe in better areas and certain throws? Absolutely. Right. Is it what did we think it was going to be perfect? Absolutely not. Aaron Jones is the star of this team right now. The offensive line and Aaron Jones are going to be the stars of this team until kind of these young receivers, the new tight ends and this new quarterback kind of figure everything out. And maybe more importantly, until coach the floor, who's also the, the play caller figures out, what works for all the weapons that we have on the outside. Um, I feel really confident. I think everybody feels really confident that with Zach Tom playing right tackle now, solidifying that part of the offensive line. And with the two headed monster that we have in AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones in the backfield, that is something that we can build this entire offense around. The question is, and the question is, I think with a lot of teams, maybe even including Atlanta, when you look at how they're trying to figure things out, some of the route concepts they have, are you comfortable becoming a team that relies on the running game to build everything out? Now, I think in practice, a lot of teams say, oh, absolutely, yes, we are. But when those guys start play calling and things start happening and they're looking to you know, maybe get their, new, their next job at the next place and they're all, things change. This is a passing league. And so while it's always been kind of, I don't know, not the, the unsexy thing to do, in in running the football to set everything else up when the Packers situation I think with the Falcons as well if they don't do that if they don't take that to heart I think they're going to struggle this year on the offensive side of the football yeah I think you're absolutely right and I think fans need to realize that the Packers and the Falcons have kind of coalesced away from what was the previous era where Packers with Aaron Rodgers it's aired out obviously you have Aaron Rodgers you have these great receivers um, maybe the great receiver part was a little bit iffy some years in there, but you look at Atlanta, same thing, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, everybody it's aired out. And then new coaching staff comes in new quarterback play. It becomes much more run heavy. And that's sort of what the Packers are now too, because they, again, star running back in Aaron Jones, Falcons have, you know, potentially two really good young running backs. I know AJ Dillon struggled in week one, but in the past has definitely been a, a capable, uh, complimentary runner there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really looks like these two teams have made a transition away from their previous identities with these previous star quarterbacks to what maybe the NFL will eventually start to move towards with the sort of overall defensive change to be more cover too heavy, more deep coverage to take away the deep ball, which was so prolific for all these years. Now the, the counterplay is let's get heavier up front. Let's move to more tight ends. Let's move to these heavier sets, more run game emphasis to take advantage of all these defenses that are going lighter. Nickel is the new base defense, all this stuff. Um, and it seems like the, the Packers and the Falcons might be kind of on the forefront of that offensive shift. Yeah, certainly the pendulum's going to swing back. It always does. We looked at this. If you look at the, just the defensive offensive lineman profile over the last 20 years, how many times have we gone from 
you know, the 320 pound defensive lineman was sexy. And then we had John Randall at 285. And then we went back up to 315. And now we're, you know, Aaron Donald was the guy. So this, this happens all the time at different positions. Certainly, I think when you look at how the safety and the linebacker in particular, how the weight has changed, like the, the middle linebacker used to be 245 pounds. And that was the minimum. If you came, we brought in Nick Barnett at 235 pounds, and we, as an offensive line, went to the head coach and said, are you out of your mind drafting this kid in the first round? He's going to get mauled. And he ended up getting bigger, and he was a great player for us. But the, the, the idea was, at 235, you can't play the sport. And now that's all that we have in the National Football League. So you know, when you look at the Atlanta Falcons, I really like the Atlanta Falcons offense. They run a ton of 12 person. I'm not going to call it 13 personnel because I, I quite frankly, I don't think I, I don't think your boy Pitts is a, is a tight end. It's mostly playing a, outside. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you're running a 12 and 21 personnel. There's fullbacks in the game. We're running downhill. And you just think about, well, how did you use to combat that? Well, nowadays they might just play nickel against that because they're worried about Pitts. But they used to bring in an extra linebacker. They used to bring eight in the box. They used to bring single safety high. If they're not going to do that then you look at teams like Atlanta, you look at teams like potentially Green Bay, there's a lot of teams across the board, you're Cleveland, and you go, these guys are going to start running for six, seven, eight yards a carry because you can't play defense with six in the box against good football teams. You get one or two teams that are well-coached up front offensive line and have explosive running backs, you're going to start seeing guys averaging six and a half, seven yards a carry in the National Football League. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're sort of, this might be the first year that we really see that change happen on a wider scale. I know last year was kind of a step, you know, defenses sort of equalized things last year for the first time in, in years scoring actually went down. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder if that trend continues this year, but we see a couple of teams like the ones you mentioned, maybe starting to, to take advantage of, of how defenses have changed. And uh, the, the NFL always lags behind, um, you know, that it takes time for things to shift and there's always going to be some innovators at the top. So fingers crossed that our teams are on the innovation side of things uh, <laughs> in this and, and it'll, it ends up working out well, but let's start with the injury report because it's, it's definitely a big one for the Packers this week with several key players potentially looking at, at missing time. Um, Quay Walker seemed like we got some good news today with him returning to practice, at least in some capacity. Um, He's still in the concussion protocol, so it's up in the air, but at least he was back on the practice field. And then, of course, the big names, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson, still out with those hamstring injuries. What's your level of concern for for those three guys uh, suiting up on Sunday? Well, if Quay's out on the practice field, you, one has to assume he's going to play. Uh, so I would I would kind of shelf that one. The, the two real concerns are, I mean, Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones doesn't play, I, I don't really know how our offense operates right now i just don't know that we have an identity without him um certainly when you watch the chicago bears game we're not going to feed him feed him the ball every play but the times that we didn't feed him the ball life wasn't very good so it's you know i know you can't give the, the kid the rock you know 50 times a game but certainly he's a huge part of our offense i think he's i think he's our you know he's our spirit animal and our emotional leader and everything else wrapped into one player so he's that guy for us and then when you look at christian watson for you know, Falcons fans who haven't seen him before, um, if he's healthy, you'll know his name by the end of the day because he's six foot five. He runs a four three eight, and he can absolutely fly. He went to North Dakota State, so nobody knew who he was coming out of college. This kid can absolutely fly. He turns up, you know, he turns hitch, hitch passes into eighty yard gains. Um, he is a guy that can take a top off of the defense, and I know that Jesse Bates and company had a really good week last week, and I, th- I think it 
the, the multiple coverages and the way that they play in the back end for the Atlanta Falcons. It's really fun to watch. It's a super exciting brand of football. Uh, but Christian Watson, for us, adds a different dynamic that really stretches. You know, when you watch the Atlanta Falcons, Kevin, the, the safeties play super deep. And the linebackers, you know, if you're getting the backs out, because I don't know that the pass rush for the Falcons is really that good without bringing extra people. So if you get the if the backs out and those linebackers have to stay, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage, there is an absolute ton of space in intermediate routes, especially in cutting routes or even those bubble cover two areas. So when you have a guy like this that stretches them even more, you get really excited about all that middle, that kind of middle of the field stuff that we're able to do. And without him, quite frankly, I don't know if there's a guy on Green Bay that Jesse Bates and company is going to go, I'm really worried about getting beat deep with this player. So those are two huge players for Green Bay. It'll be fingers crossed here until Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I obviously two DMPs never good, but there's always the chance that it's precautionary and they return to practice on Friday and it ends up being okay. But um, certainly, well, that's one to monitor closely for folks. Um, and I suspect that's why we've seen the line move towards Atlanta for the reasons you mentioned that Aaron Jones seems to be a core player to this offense in the same way that the Falcons, you know, without London Pitts, Bijan would, would be, you know, you would see the line actually move from those players being out. So, um, and yeah, the, I mean, it's a good segue into talking about how the Packers match up with the Falcons offensively. Um, and it, it's kind of eerily similar to Carolina where the Falcons really caught a break last week. I mean, the, the Panthers receiving core, absolutely nowhere close to the Packers receiving core, mm-hmm. even when healthy, but they were out DJ shark as well. So like that was their yeah. one deep threat. Um, who's definitely not on Christian Watson's level and shout out to Watson. I was, I was at the senior bowl when he went off and completely yeah. sh- uh, changed his draft stock to be like, this guy might go early day two, which is what happened. Um, and, you know, same, you know, much, obviously much higher ceiling player with, with Christian Watson in terms of his size and his ability. Um, so again, if, if you lose that deep threat, I think probably Luke Musgrave becomes the guy. And I think that's what we saw last week um, because he, I get another senior bowl guy that had a really good week there and really raised his profile. Um, he's a speedster, but it's, you know, it's not the same level as, as a Christian Watson. So we'll have to see how that develops, but you know, as like you were saying, how do you how do you feel about this Packer offense's ability to, to match up with the Falcons' pass defense, which has been a huge problem for them for many years? But in Week mm-hmm. One against the Panthers, that was one of the best games they've played in years in terms of limiting mm-hmm. the opposing opponent's passing attack. Yeah, certainly, and and I think it starts with just being able to ID the pressure looks up front. I think I, I would imagine Atlanta. I, I just don't feel like Atlanta. I love Grady Jarrett. I've yeah, always, it's interior. Yeah, they have yeah, interior rush, but yeah, I think he's fan, I think he's fantastic. But you know, I've been watching Bud Dupree for for a number of years. I've been watching these guys for a long time, and they're they don't have pure pass rushers on the Atlanta Falcons roster right now. They just don't have them. Sometimes they have them. Sometimes they don't. Right now, they don't have them. I used to have John Abraham when I was playing. They don't have those mm-hmm. guys anymore. Yeah. Um, so what they've done a pretty good job of recently is when they go into nickel, uh, they'll. they'll They'll drop both 55 and 44 in Troy Anderson and uh, I can't remember. Uh, Kate Nellis is their new. Yeah, Kate Nellis, yeah. yeah. So they'll drop yeah. those guys into the A gaps. And I think they ran games four or five times last week. They got home twice. They created pressure, I think, at least three of those times. So we're probably going to see that. So ID in the front, super important. But I think just generally speaking on early downs, you know, the Packers aren't really going to sit here and fear their pass rush. So it really becomes a question of what kind of of all the multiple fronts and looks that they give uh, Jordan Love, are they going to be able to disguise some stuff and make him hold the ball for a little bit longer? I think they're able to do that. Um, but 
if the Packers come into this game and say, we're going to go into shotgun and we're just going to have Jordan Love throw the ball around the yard, I think that's a, that's a very easy way for us to create, for the Falcons to create a lot of turnovers and therefore the Green Bay Packers to lose this football game. You know, for me, this is a run first, heavy, heavy play action. Take your shots when you have them. Uh, take your shots off of under center play action when you can get those linebackers sucked up, create that opportunity in the middle of the field that like we just talked about because Romeo Dobbs has been a really good player for us with fifth round pick last year. He showed up at the senior bowl as well and just did a really yeah. good Luke Musgrave coming out of Oregon state this year, second round pick. He is a tight end that has stretched the field ability. We see him and Tucker craft as being kind of every down players. I think they're trying to get into that role. So we're going to see a lot more of them as the season progresses, but Luke Musgrave does have that. You know, if you get him on a linebacker, it's a problem for that linebacker. He has that stretch of field capability for sure. And then Aaron Jones out of the backfield, if he's going to be playing, we have opportunities to attack. I just think it's going to be much more of, can we get a 10 yard play? Can we get a 15 yard dig route? And can we build a lot of this stuff? Maybe one or two shot plays with a Christian Watson, if he's healthy or Romeo Dobbs, if, if Christian Watson's not healthy, can we build those off of under center play action, trying to suck those guys up, stop the pass rush and give and give Jordan Love a little bit more time. No, I think you're absolutely right. And if you look at the Falcons Panthers game last week, the big, the big beneficiary of this Falcons defense was Hayden Hurst. Um, mm-hmm. He got Hayden Hurst revenge game. Should have seen that coming, obviously, but um, it's, that that spacing that you mentioned that the Falcons like to play their linebackers aggressively to to push them up towards the line of scrimmage and they like to play the safeties deep so they they've improved the safety play obviously Jesse Bates being there makes it a lot easier to cover up that space because he's such an elite player Richie Grant the jury's sort of still out on what he can do for this defense but that's where to attack and that's what the Panthers did last week with some success so if I was the Falcons and, and Christian Watson's out I would be trying to dedicate resources to figuring out how to limit Luke Musgrave and, and Tucker Kraft because those I think are the guys that are going to be heavily targeted in that area of the field and sort of the Falcons need to find a way to adjust because people are going to see what happened in the Panthers game and try to replicate that yeah no doubt and when you watch that Atlanta Falcons defense against the Panthers you know when they're in their base defense and they're playing three four and you got Calais out there and you got Grady out there and Bud Dupree's playing on the edge and you, know, you can you can bring seven in the box eight in the box Man, they're tough to run the ball against. But when you put them in nickel, like there are so many explosive runs and almost explosive runs in that Carolina Panthers game when they're in nickel defense because your linebackers run up to the line of scrimmage and but they don't change, they don't reset the line of scrimmage. They just get swallowed up by offensive linemen. So 44 in particular, Troy Anderson. Yeah. This guy shoots gaps, but he never actually shoots the like he never gets through. He just runs into the he runs into the offensive lineman and just creates these massive opportunities for cutback plays for the running back. So if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm sitting here going, Hey, we'll play a single time, we'll play eleven personnel, or if they'll match nickel on twelve, we'll play twelve all day because most you know, both those tight ends you could argue are just receivers at this right. point. Mm-hmm. And listen. I'm going to get two double teams on their defensive on their defensive tackles and let these linebackers continue to run into us and make those safeties make the make tackles eight yards deep because that was when you watched the the game mm-hmm. against Carolina. Sure, you could talk about Hayden Hurst. You, you know, we talk about some of the things in the passing game, but it just stood out like a sore thumb. And oh, they yeah. are really getting beat up on the interior and then the linebacker play when you get into nickel defense, anytime they match with nickel, it's like, I, for me, it's all you can eat Sunday. 
um, until they prove otherwise. And maybe have to bring some more people down in the box. Obviously, they can run that 51 look where they bring 55 down on the edge and play 44 in the middle. Like, there's stuff they can do. But that 34 defense they play when the linebackers play a little bit with a little bit more discipline is a lot harder to run against when those guys are shooting gaps every time getting swallowed up by offensive linemen. So we'll, we'll, yeah. that, that part of the game I'll be interested to watch. No, yeah, and that's that was my next question was talking about how the Packers' rushing attack matches up, and I think mm. you covered it pretty well there, which is the Falcons, Ryan Nielsen's defense coming over from New Orleans, the run defense was always a huge point of emphasis for that New Orleans defense, and they were known for how stout they were up front. And I think that's what the Falcons are planning to do, but it's a, it was a change up front to more of these 4-2-5 looks, less pure 3-4. You can tell this Falcons defense that's used to playing these 3-4 looks the last several years under Dean Pease, more comfortable in those looks. They need to figure out how to get it done in 4-2-5, though, because that's what we're going to see most of the time with Ryan Nielsen. And I have total faith in Caden Ellis because he's coming over from that defense. Troy Anderson, young player, only a couple of years playing linebacker in his career because, you know, Montana State played quarterback for them, played running back for them, and then played linebacker for just a couple seasons. So he's a guy that obviously all the talent in the world athletically, but needs to learn how to play linebacker, which is one of those spots that you really just have to play it. Like you, there's so many things going on for linebackers. You just have to play it. You have to see it. And you just have, you have to develop your instincts because if you don't have instincts at that position, you you can't cut it in the NFL. It doesn't matter how athletic you are. Now it helps <laughs> to cover up mistakes when you could run, you know, his four, four flat or whatever it was that he ran at the combine. Cause you could make up that ground, but um, he's definitely the weak spot, and he actually is also in the concussion protocol. His status is in question for Sunday, so we'll see. It would be, I believe, Nate Landman um, playing in his spot if he were to miss the game. But you mentioned it, it and I, I'm curious. A.J. Dillon has been a guy that I think has been a, a sort of a workhorse guy that takes sort of the grunt carries for this Packers offense. Really seemed to struggle last week against the Bears. What's your level of confidence in in the running backs without Aaron Jones? Do you think that was just sort of an aberration for A.J. Dillon in the offensive line, or um, is there actual concern there about being able to to run the football? Well, it wasn't A.J. A.J. Dillon's uh, at no fault for the for the way things happened last last game. If we're if we're going to be honest, the way that they called the especially the initial plays with. Uh, with AJ, he was just put in really terrible positions, uh, running laterally at 250 pounds. Look, I'm a simple guy. This is a pretty plain t-shirt, right? I like, I like to eat unprocessed foods. You know what I mean? Like I just, I'm simple. If I got a 250 pound running back, I'm not trying to get him to the sideline every play. And that's what we started to do early in the game. He got two tackles for loss because we're missing blocks. We're taking bad angles. We're doing some pin and pull stuff that doesn't really make a lot of sense given our personnel. So if they allow him to go downhill, you look at a year ago and actually two years ago, he was playing at times in the season like a, like a legitimate Pro Bowl running back. I mean, we had two legitimate Pro Bowl running backs that are just kind of cannibalizing each other's stats. They were really playing at high level. But every year, it always feels like they're trying to make A.J. do something that he's not early in the season. We've seen this literally for the last three years now. So if Aaron Jones isn't going, I think you're just going to see a lot more like middle zone, downhill power stuff and you're not going to see a ton of outside toss plays and, and quick tosses and all this nonsense for aj i could be wrong i've been wrong before on this you just intuitively logically that's what i would do um but if we can get those doubles you got to feel good about moving moving the people i mean great jared's a great player but he can't take on the doubles. he's not that big he just isn't like he's got great leverage one-on-one he's just not that big of a player um i know i know that you brought over the other kid from from new orleans uh Animata, he's a they're 
good players. They're all good. They're all pros. But I don't know that I'm fearing them in the run game, right? I, I think that we can get doubles. Our tackles are our strong suit in the offensive line. So you feel like you can at least have a, a call it a tie versus Bud Dupree and company. And then it's just a question of, you know, is 44 going to, is he going to shoot his gun? Is he going to play back and catch, you know, play catch at six yards? Those are the kind of things, or do you, do you have to commit one more to the box, which you might be comfortable doing because it's Jordan Love and, you know, we don't really have the passing game figured out yet. So there's, you know, there's all these things to be, you know, to question, but really just from a fundamental who can beat who. I think the Green Bay Packers probably feel pretty good that their offensive line is going to have a good day against the, the kind of the box six or seven on the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly, you know, we saw Clayus Campbell miss two tackles last week. I think he had like three or four missed tackles all season with the Ravens last year. So, you know, the Falcons, I think, are hoping that the run defense is not what we saw in week one. But you're absolutely on point there. They allowed 150 yards to Carolina's rushing attack, which is not really supposed to be one of the best units in the league. So, Definitely a tougher task coming up this week in Green Bay. Um, moving on to the and another thing I was going to mention is the Falcons actually didn't don't have a nose tackle on the roster. They just have mm-hmm. these sort of one tech, three tech, sort of four four three style guys. They do have a nose tackle on the practice squad in Timmy Horn, who was looking pretty good in the preseason. We were all kind of shocked that he didn't make the roster. So I I do wonder if seeing all that yardage allowed last week, if they do activate or elevate him off the practice squad to play against this more run-heavy Packers offense. I think they were maybe expecting the Panthers to not be as formidable up front, which look like looks like a mistake, but um, we'll see. That could be something to monitor if they do elevate their nose tackle for this game, given the, the Packers' proclivities against the or with the run game. But moving on to the Falcons' offense, again, sort of like uh, they scored the points, but the overall stats weren't the most impressive. Obviously, the Falcons have... Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, and that's going to be the focal point. So how do you, the Packers defense, I think is the strength of this team has been for, for a few years now. How do you feel about Green Bay's ability to stop Atlanta's rushing attack? Uh, I think those two players are special. I think Bijan Robinson's, and I, I live down in Austin. He's a, he's just a really, really special talent. I played against Barry Sanders. He's not Barry Sanders, but when you look at what he did last week, you don't tackle him. The first guy doesn't tackle him, right? And that's very that's very rare in the National Football League where can, almost every single play he gets the ball, he's not getting tackled by the first guy. So he's got that kind of wiggle to him. He's got that breakaway speed. Um, both those players are excellent. I think the Atlanta Falcons are certainly better or more proficient up front in the run game than they are in the pass game. Um, I think they're just built that way right now. Chris Lindstrom had a really bad game last week, but he is a really good player. Um, he's been one of the, you know, kind of, I'd say the best of the basics guys for a number of years now. I'm a big fan of his. I think you have a, a rookie uh, left guard playing against Kenny Clark, who's who's an all pro caliber player, or Devontae Wyatt, who's our, our second year guy to George is kind of coming around, or TJ Slayton, who's who's been in the league a couple of years now and is coming around, play, starting to play pretty well. So I think we have some matchup issues there. I This is the strength of our defense. Rashawn Gary's coming back. And when you saw what Brian Burns did to those tackles, plural, you're not getting a week off with Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is every bit as good as, as Brian Burns. Now, he might not get the snap count because he's coming off the ACL, but he devastated the Chicago Bears, who are not good offensive linemen, but he devastated them last last year or last week. Preston Smith has been in this league for a long time, extremely good against the run. He'll have a good day against Jake Matthews, I think. Um, Enigbar, he's been you know, rushing well for us. So when you look at the 
totality of the running game. I just think Bijan Robinson is going to make some plays because he's special. Darnell Savage had probably the game of his life last week. 10 tackles from the safety position, first start of his career there. Five solos, real physical presence in the run game. Made those alley tackles that we have been missing the last couple seasons. So you got to feel good about what you saw on tape. But I think Robinson and Algier are going to get their yards. It just turns into this question of if you guys are going to go pistol at a shotgun and and have that poor kid hold the ball again against this pass rush, like you <laughs> thought it was bad last week, it's going to get real bad this week. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think that uh, I know I was on Twitter saying like they're not going to throw the ball 18 times a week this season, but this could be another game where I think they try to limit the passing attempts to protect mm -hmm. uh, the offensive line. And, you know, like you said, uncharacteristic game from Chris Lindstrom, but Derek Brown has kind of been his kryptonite um, since Derek Brown's come into the league. So that and then obviously Brian Burns has just massacred McGarry on a weekly basis. So um We'll see, you know, Rashawn Gary's going to play. He's he's still coming back from injury. I think he's been limited, but I don't think there's any. He played last week, so there's no concern about him missing the game. Um, it's not it's not a break. You know, this, I think, is a more well-rounded defensive front overall, certainly, than what the, camp, I, I, what the Panthers have. I'll tell have. you this. I'll tell you this. I mean, I stay offensive defensive lineman on, on the daily. Kenny Clark's better than Derek Brown. I mean, he's he's he's, he's a lot He's better been than, damn good for a long time. Yeah, Derek, yeah. Derek Brown's a good player. Kenny Clark's not better than Derek Brown. When if Rashawn Gary gets 20 snaps in this game, the, the problem is the problem is Kevin McGarry, and he's been in the league since 2019. His pass sets just just from they're a bad. technical standpoint, they're just like it's like he's never been taught how to do it the right way. And he just gets and it the it's it's actually where it's funny because uh Matthews gets beat just as much as McGarry does. You guys don't even notice it because he gets beat so fast that the quarterback just sees it and runs the other way or gets rid of the ball. But McGarry's one of those guys who turns and Lucas Van Ness is going to have a field day against him, our, our first round pick from Iowa, because he doesn't literally have any other pass rush moves, but an outside bull. And guess mm -hmm. what this guy gives up all day <laughs> yeah. long. Mm -hmm. And it's a slow burn. So you don't really know as a quarterback that you're about to get hit until you get hit. Right. It's not one of those. It's like Vinny Testaverde told me when he was 41 years old. He's like, Mike, if you're going to lose, lose early, man. Don't lose late because I can't get rid of the ball. You know, if I lose early, if you lose early, I'll see it and I'll get rid of it. And that's kind of how. You saw the Carolina game with Desmond Ritter. When they lost early, it was actually a better situation for the quarterback. When they lose late, it's like, I got nowhere to go now. Yeah, no, it, it's a dangerous situation because I, I agreed top to bottom, the Packers have that better front um, with all pieces considered. I think the, the Panthers' issue is that they don't have the depth. So when Brian Birds yeah. and Derek Brown had to come off the field, it was just they weren't getting the push. In the second half, they got worn down. Um, it, so it was, you know, the Falcons didn't have as many issues in the second half. So, uh Definitely a concern facing that pass rush. The secondary, too, especially the cornerbacks, uh, a strength for Green Bay. Jair Alexander, I think, has a claim to be the best corner in the NFL. Um, Falcons fully healthy in the receiving core at this point. That's nice to see. We didn't get to see that a lot last year. Kyle Pitts missed a significant amount of time. Um, and that, of course, involves the linebackers and safeties, too, depending on where he's lined up. How do you feel about the secondary and their ability to match up with these Falcons' weapons? Now, obviously, the question of can doesn't remember to get the ball to him is another question entirely, but uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about the, I, those matchups? Yeah. I, I think that's probably the big question, you know, I, I guess Drake London didn't get it. He didn't catch a ball last week. And, you know, for, for Falcons fans who haven't heard of Jay Alexander, this guy's, he's a real deal. He's a, he's, you know, I, people don't talk about him like Jalen. He's, he's every bit as good as anybody else in this, in the national football league playing the cornerback position. And so if you think that Drake London is going to have this, you know, aha moment this weekend, 
he very well might like stranger things have happened. But if I was a betting man, I would bet that if ja- if they say Jay Alexander, go ahead and follow Drake Leonard around, just make sure he doesn't catch the ball. That kid's not going to catch very many passes. And I think that kid's good. He's going to be box office. I just, Jay Alexander's just on a different level right now because yeah. he has more experience. True corner. Kyle watch, Pitts, for sure. Huh? Yeah. True. Kyle Pitts is kind of a weird thing, right? Because you draft him, you call him a tight end, but you can't really play him at tight end. And so he's this great slot receiver. And I'll be honest with you, as good and talented as he is, I don't know if I still don't know if they're using him the right way. I don't know what the right way is, but you watch him, he pops off the screen. I mean, he made a he made the damn safety fall down on an out route last week. I mean, he's just he embarrasses people. He's so athletic. So do you match him up with a Quay Walker who we kind of got him to handle yeah. people like this? I don't think that Quay plays defense as well as Kyle runs routes. So I think that's a bad matchup. So I think you have to end up bracketing him. I mean, I think what you do is you try to stop that guy from getting the ball. You just say, Jair, don't let the other, don't let London catch it. And then if Matt Collins catches a couple passes here and there, we'll just kind of take it. I, you know, really, when you guys go two running backs with Bijan Robinson kind of motioning around like he caught the bubble and then went took it to the house, you know, but and Algiers in the backfield. I think for me. That's where, from a defensive coordinator standpoint, I go, oh, God, what do I do now? Because that, right. that, that, first of all, messes up all your rules, mm-hmm. right? And then if if you're going to put that kid at slot, I mean, the way he that he can yeah. run and move and with Kyle Pitts, like, you really have three A wide receivers now on the field. Yeah, so it's really, I mean, I agree. I think it's, I think Kyle Pitts may end up being the guy that, I know people were down on him after last year. He was hurt. You know, he had Marcus Mariota. Woof. Uh, over thirty, over thirty three percent of his targets were considered uncatchable last year, um, and and he looked great against the Panthers. Obviously, uh, had a twenty five yard catch called back for a stupid illegal shift, um, and like you said, was open several times. But Ritter was getting annihilated in the backfield. So, um, I I have confidence in Ritter if he's protected to be able to get the ball to Pitts, and I think Pitts will make plays. But again, this is a, a really tough test with the pass rush. So for me, it's more can the protection hold up because I think. The Falcons' weapons when they're firing on all cylinders, Ritter's a, a good enough distributor to get it to to, to get it done. Um, but you know we'll have to see. Uh, but I, I think ultimately th- those are the matchups where I have the most concern is is how mm. to match up against the Packers in the pass game. But yeah, Michael, I think I think we've covered it pretty well in terms of the offense and defense. Any any other points you want to make before we wrap this up? Yeah, you know this is the, I just want to say this is this Falcon team is fun to watch. And I think it's frustrating. I think when you some of the offense, some of the stuff they're trying to do from the passing game standpoint with Desmond Ritter is a little bit frustrating. I think if you're a fan, but just from a like a, a, a football guy standpoint, they're a fun team to watch. You like what Arthur Smith's trying to do from a culture, from a culture, from a philosophy, from what he's bringing to the table, what the energy that the, that this team has. Um, it's going to be a good, like they're going to be in every game this year. So I, you know, from a Falcons fan, I'd be excited. You're going to be in every game. I don't know if you're going to win every game, but you're going to be in every game. This is going to be another. This is one of those games where neither of these teams are really picked to win their division. But you know, you start building a little momentum. You you come out of this game two and zero. You look down the barrel of another maybe two games, three and one, four and zero. All of a sudden, hey, we're really moving and shaking. So I think this team is this game is one of those exciting games early in the season that nobody's going to talk about but it really does set you up for success over the term of the entire season starting out two and zero yeah no you're absolutely right and i i think uh this could be a meaningful game in terms of tiebreakers down the road especially if these two teams are 
somehow or maybe they're both sneaking into that division title or they're both competing for that wild card seating. So I think this one is more important than people realize, but very close spread for this one. Uh, what's your prediction for, for this, Mike? Yeah, I got to go with Green Bay. Just, I, I think I, I honestly think the defensive line of Green Bay is going to overwhelm their off- your offensive line. I, I mean, I think Chris Lindstrom has a good game. But if I look at every other player on your offensive line, I just don't think they hold up against the pressure that we can we can bring just without having to bring actual dogs, blitzes, et cetera. I'm just talking about four or five man rushes from the defensive line. I, I don't think they can hold up. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be up to the run game to take the pressure off because I think the pass game is going to be limited in this one for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of assuming Watson and Jones don't play. And in that case, I think the Falcons squeak it out. That's at a home. big deal. Um, because Desmond Ritter undefeated at home in college and in the NFL. So he, he just seems to get it done. Uh, but I think this is a very evenly matched game. Um, and it, with those injuries, it might sort of just push it over to the Falcons, but I think this will be, this will be a sweaty one for everyone. I think so. Yeah, no um, doubt. No doubt. But Mike, thank you very much guys. He is Mike wall at Mike wall, 68, uh, host of the on my block green Bay Packers podcast over on believe, uh, Mike, anything else you want to plug before we sign off? No, check out the podcast, uh, and we do it. We also do a block party uh, every week or two. I'll break down. I broke I broke down Chris Lindstrom. You can check that out on our Process to Perform channel on YouTube. I broke that down last year, but we do that kind of stuff all the time. So if you're a fan of like trench warfare and all the things that are going on in the box, come check us out. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks again, guys. I'm Kevin. I have Falcoholic. Kevin, please like, subscribe, leave that five-star review on your platform of choice. Today's show was brought to you by Bet Online. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Dirty Birds and Brews. Have a great day, folks.